This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
joining us live. Uh, I am Sarah Smiley, a.k.a. Will, with my host. I am Wisdom, a.k.a. Derek. Greetings, programs. And welcome to the Tales from the Forlorn Dopes. Um, So this week, I think we're going to get into kind of um, cyberpunk players, what what we feel are good cyberpunk players, what we look for and players themselves uh and and get into that um but let's start off with any recent news i think the biggest one is cyberpunk uh 2077 just uh pushed out a huge patch of 1.3 um we uh well i um played a little around it there was a couple things that um kind of cool a couple things didn't agree with but i still uh need to probably spend another you know 10 50 hours before i give my final uh thumbs up on on the patch um other than that not too much is going on with my site um other than that last update i did uh two weeks ago but i am working on uh implementing weapon options and magazine uh a magazine organizer for your weapons so you can actually store different magazines or or have different magazines for your weapons as long as with different loadouts so i'm also implementing um the ammo into uh into them still haven't figured out how to get the well the damage is going to be different but um yeah so that's where i'm at with uh my stuff yeah not much uh not much new on the data fortress front um i did just turn 49 so that's terrifying um yeah that's 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 really all i got news-wise um i haven't had a chance to personally check out the update for 2077 uh, but I'm excited about it nonetheless. I, I'll be really happy when they actually throw out some DLC for it, something new, something to get me back into playing it. Um, but everything they do to make it more stable is is helpful. Yeah, the one thing I definitely want to check out is the uh, optical camo and how that plays out in the game. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and see how it works, so... But again, that's that's future, future uh, Cyber Smiley to figure out and, <laughs> and enjoy. Whereas present Cyber Smiley is uh, talking about players and cyberpunk players. Um, so, from my perspective, from EA being a player and 
be as a referee what I look for in a player um, is some I, I prefer players who are a little more outspoken um, I think we kind of discussed this last time on on how you know as a, as a referee you kind of fall into ignoring quieter players uh, than, than really you should um, but from a quality I, I think as a referee I kind of need that feedback coming yeah. from players uh, without that feedback I don't know how well I'm doing I don't know if they're enjoying the game if they are you know care for the story is there something I'm lacking and of course you know at, every so often I do at the end of a game ask you know How's everyone doing? Everyone good with the game, even outside of the game? Trying to find out if people are enjoying it. And of course, you know, oftentimes the quiet players are like, yep, yep, I like it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, the quiet player is giving that ever so helpful <laughs> feedback of, yep, yep. <laughs> I've been there many, many a time. Uh, I mean, when it comes to what I look for in players, the number one thing I look for is is people who are going to buy into it. Um, which means for the most part, I'm very leery about like trying to role play with people who've never gamed before. Uh, I would rather they had some game experience um, and understood, you know, the concept of, of what a role playing game is uh, rather than having to try and teach them through through cyber. I mean, on at some level, like having a clean slate is great. It means they have no preconceptions. They're not coming into it like, "What do you mean? I don't my hit points don't go up." Like, I don't have to deal with that. But for the most part, I'm looking for people who buy into it, who who understand what role playing is all about. They they get the concepts of it. They're not going to be all super goofy about it. Um, there are there are times and places for you know you you to give yourself your character a name like Otis Fugget or whatever, um, or Jack Mehoff. That is not my game. That I, I I ran that game when I was in my teens. I don't feel like running the game like that anymore. I'm not a I'm not looking for goofy. So get on board with me. Get on the same page, and that's really all I ask. I don't I don't care how well you know the rules. I don't care um if you talk in character or not. Just just be on the same page as far as, you know, the theme and the tone of the game itself. Yeah, and I think for for new players who are getting into it, they they don't always know or or under have the expectations from the rest of the party as well as the GM, right? Um, recently, I ran a and d game about two years ago where I had, um, you know, a person who hadn't played in a while and she wanted to play and she brought her boyfriend around who, who never played. Um, and I think, A, you know, he kind of wanted to be there, but I don't know if he kind of wanted to really be there, right? Yeah. Um, just because I was trying to, there's lighthearted games that a referee might run, and there's also a little more serious, right? 
and I was trying to little, do a little more serious with the game, um, but a little lighthearted. But he was like, you know, oh, I, I'm gonna go and grab some, uh, you know, rock salt. Rock salt was it the coal and whatever else makes gunpowder? Because he wanted to make guns. I'm like, okay, are you an alchemist? He's like, no, but I know it. I'm like, no, you know it. <laughs> Your character doesn't know that. He's like, okay, well, my character's gonna invent gunpowder then. And it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the same page. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's that's another thing about new players. Like, I, I, this may be kind of pretentious, and it may be kind of rude uh, of me to think this way. Um, I have no problem with you bringing, you know, your friend to the game or your significant other, but if they don't know what gaming is, I consider that your job to get them on the same page, not mine. You're bringing them into the environment. And they're welcome. Don't get me wrong. They're welcome to come. But, like, you live with them. You can explain this shit to them in your downtime. Yep. Um, Trying to, like, bringing them fresh-faced with no preconceived concepts of what gaming is and then throwing them at me? I'm not cool with that. Uh, It's happened many times to me, and I've dealt with it but i don't like it um and i consider it kind of rude it'd right. be like be like going to somebody else's barbecue and then asking for the vegan option <laughs> just like that's that's not what we're doing here if i had known previously that there was going to be some vegan i'd have prepared for that yeah yeah and the other thing with that game was there was another player who was completely new to the game who you know as a teenager he just said you know i never had friends who who played it and just he wanted to play it when when in his adult life and he was he was the 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 opposite of this other player right he was more resigned to see how the experienced players played and, and take that in um yeah, you know, and that's a blessing, man. I, I got no. Uh, I was giving new players a bad rap, and yep. it, it's not always the case. Like you pointed out, like sometimes they come in and they're they're just automatically on the same page. They want to learn. They're they're excited about it. I was more talking about people who are coming because they feel like beholden to their significant other or something like that. Like. They're not really into the game. They're just into hanging out with their boyfriend or girlfriend, so they they show up. Um, yeah, don't don't show up into my game if you don't actually want to play. Uh, if you want to learn to play, I'm cool with teaching you. I I am. I I enjoy it. Uh, I just I don't want to start off. I don't want to try and teach someone who doesn't want to be taught. Yep. And, you know, I get that teaching makes me sound all pretentious, but, I mean, if somebody's never role-played, it's a skill like anything else. Um, you got to learn the rules of the game. you got to learn how to apply your character to those rules and vice versa. You've got to learn to read the room and be, be on the same page. I keep saying it because it's the most important thing. Um, and it doesn't just apply to, you know, the con- the the basics it applies to the very tone of the game like 
cyberpunk is a much different animal than than dungeons and dragons and if you're not on board with the difference um even even on board as far as like okay well it's a new concept i'm gonna be open-minded towards it and like basically feed off of what other people are doing until i can stand on my own two feet with it um i've got i've got a couple of players in my in my like in-person real life group who always want to play superhero campaigns they always want to play they 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 always want someone to run them on a superhero game but they can never get on the same page like one guy he wants to keep one guy wants to play like street level supers like daredevil and spider-man and luke cage um and then the other guy wants to play like cosmic level superheroes like superman and green lantern yep silver surfer and they can't get on the same page and you can't run that game like that just it works with justice league you can have superman and batman on the same team because it's all about writers be it and they can find a way to make that work because basically they can do whatever they want as a gm you can't it is so difficult to try and make that work that it's really just not worth the effort. If, if one guy wants to play a God and the other guy wants to play a dude who's good at beating people up, <laughs> those two can't really inhabit the same game. Yep. Um, and, and be effective at all. And in sight for perfect example of in cyberpunk is, you know, <clears throat> when you get players who want to do like a, corporate game right with politics and espionage versus somebody who wants to play gutter punk right or, yeah. or the nomad who wants to play the nomad game um mm-hmm. and those are always kind of hard to kind of fit into the same group and you know that's that's the other yeah. good thing about good players is they're willing to collaborate and make concessions between each other yeah they'll compromise to get to that same page one of them might be they may start off in different chapters but if they compromise enough they can they can reach a middle ground where uh things will work out for for them yep um i have run high level like espionage based campaigns um and i have i've run gutter punk and i can make it work with both the characters but thematically they have to be on the same page as far as what to expect from how that's going to work out uh it's funny you mentioned espionage and nomad because i actually ran a nomad character who became like a like a james bond style agent like just with ties to the nomad community yep um so it can work you just everybody's gotta work together to make sure it happens and that's that's what i look for in players is the ability to work with the gm and work with the other players to make sure everybody's getting the amount of fun out of the game that they can if uh and in fact if i have a player who's more on the goofy side of shit that's fine you can be goofy in my game your character can be a goofball you can be comedy relief or whatever but I'm not going to bend the laws of physics for you and your actions will have consequences. If you 
decide the best course of action in a firefight is to, you know, strip naked, set off a paint bomb in your lap, and then run around yelling, you ha. <laughs> well, I mean, you can do that. You're probably going to meet a short, untimely death, but you can try it. I'll let it go. I'll let it play out. Um, maybe it'll work for you. Maybe you'll confuse them. I don't know. But I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to bend the laws of physics. Like, you're not going to, you're not Deadpool. And the game isn't going to allow you to beat Deadpool. You're not going to break the fourth wall. Even though that's one of the superpowers in the Interlock Unlimited superpower handbook. Cyberpunk and that are not compatible in my eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Um... So, getting onto that, what's your thoughts on the whole concept of uh, role playing should be kind of the way improv does, which is yes and, uh, in that attitude? I, I don't get you. What do you mean? So, basically, like it, it's concept within improv, um, when a person comes up with it with an idea, you agree with it and then add and change it a little, right? So. For example, a player might say, you know, oh, I want to, I want to, uh, I don't know. My corporate is is a high scale guy who who are uh, kind of a, a high level manager with a bunch of resources at his disposal, and yeah, his corporate resources skill is there, right? It could be like a seven, eight, sure. nine. Um, but then he adds in, oh, well, I also have a crack team of solos who follow me around. As a GM, you know, I, some GMs will say, okay, make a resource role. Whereas other GMs will say, yes, and, you know, there's other limitations to that ability, right? You only have them when you're off-site or when you're doing, when you're off-hours. You don't get it, Right. So the concept is you agree with what the players demand or ask what or however they play it mm-hmm. and you say yes you can have it but well not but but and this also applies. So there's that For me that is such a like case by case uh thing that I don't really have one opinion on it or or the other like uh sure that in some places that would apply but i've also had some players ask for some pretty ridiculous shit and sometimes that answer is just no right no your character is not the nigerian prince with a billion dollars <laughs> just no um maybe next game <laughs> Uh, but something like that, something where, I mean, if you're, uh, if you're a corporate of some renown, sure, you could have access to uh, a team of bodyguards or even a strike team. I mean, depending on what department you're in, obviously, Dave from accounting is not going to have access to a, a crack solo team. But, you know, somebody in research and development, they might. Uh, certainly somebody in acquisitions would. Um yeah. And someone, anyone on the board of directors of the of the corporation, sure, they would absolutely have something like that. Yep. Uh, and like you said, there might be there might be limitations. 
you know, uh, Bob the Nomad, you know, he might he might be popular enough in the family where he can uh, he can call up the best and the brightest to come back him up in any situation. Um, well beyond what like the Nomad family skill would would allow for, uh, he might be able to you know just like have people build him vehicles. Right. Uh, either for free or at, di- at steep discount. I mean, it, it depends on the character. It depends on the concept, and it depends on again how how on the same page we are. Um, I once had a player who they wanted to play a nomad, and but they couldn't wrap their head around what it was to be a nomad, like they wanted everything they had to look clean and brand new and (laughs) like they wanted to live in an apartment. They didn't want to travel with the pack or the family, but they wanted to claim the nomad benefits. And I'm just like, I can't, I tried to make it work for as long as I could, but then they're all like, well, I'm going to get this machine shop and we're going to crank out this stuff and everything's going to look new and shiny. Like it just rolled off the factory floor. And I'm like, Dude, you're not a nomad. You're a techie. Yep. You don't even hang out with your nomad family. You're. <laughs> why are you playing a nomad? Get on the same page. Yeah. Like, um, and, and for example, I, I have actually a, a good example with my current campaign. Um, I don't think my players are playing right now or listening to my podcast, but. Um, or at least, the, <laughs> at least the character who is, you know, trying to push a lot more in their character than they really should. Um, so I have two players that are playing brother and sister. Um, and basically they come from a, a big family. And I guess they decided as, as a team that one of their brothers was a former character that they played in a different campaign before entering my campaign. And, of course, this was like, you know, high-level espionage, right? So the guy's almost like an angel in the cyberpunk world. Um, So he's he's geared out. He makes the big bucks. And they haven't really abused it yet, but they always talk about, like, oh, we'll get get our rich brother to do it. Um, The other thing is... um, the sister had had a friend or, or a girlfriend that, or well, actually a friend that she's now trying to date, and this friend is a corpo, according to her, who's you know a big wig in a small corporation, and she's got tons of money and other things and other resources that she thinks her character's going to get. Um, she hasn't asked for it or, or demanded anything crazy yet uh, but that's kind of the concept of yes and right so the player says oh I have this and as a GM you got to go in and say okay and other things or other things happen right so for example this girlfriend she has um, the corpo is part of the corporation that basically is blackmailing one of the other players uh, into doing work for them. 
because that player had a, a hunted by cor corporations. Sure. The corporation found him. Guess what? Because of the girlfriend. And <laughs> the corporation came in, um, kidnapped him for a couple days, injected him with some uh, nasty nanites, and is now demanding him to do work for free for them. Uh-oh. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of thing that I think, in my opinion, a, a yes and can become. Whereas some people view it yes and some other benefit or, or, or some other thing to keep the story going, right? So it's a mechanism to kind of keep the story going from an improv point of view. Um, and that's kind of, and I know you, you're not on, on the interwebs and watch a lot of YouTube like I do. Um, but that's where a lot of the advice is gets generated for how to be a, a better GM and how to be a better player, right? Is that whole concept of yes and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's all case by case, contextual, and basically it all just boils down to how how closely to the same page we are yeah um if we're on the same page i'll 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 let you get away with just about anything because at that point i trust you not to try and run wild at the campaign and step all over it um yeah that's yep. that's really what it all boils down to the other thing that um i seek in players is I, I want to I think of it as attention to detail but really it's paying attention um, with the game uh, I've been in many campaigns run many campaigns in which you know the players assemble and I'm like okay so what happened last time and all of them look at each other blankly and don't even remember what happened oh, last time yeah. I mean, that is the very first thing I ask before I start running a session is what, how, what do you guys, where, where, where did we leave off? Um, because I, uh, again, like you said, I want to see uh, how much attention they were playing, paying. Yep. Plus, you know, sometimes you're going to mention something that I forgot um, that might end up being important. Like, I'm going to remember the plot. But your character might have done something like small off to the side that might have serious repercussions later, uh, both good and bad. Um, I don't. It's not something I necessarily require, but it's something I always appreciate. We talked about it last session, and that's player participation. That's yeah. that's that's my number two. One, be on the same page. Two, the more you invest in my game, the more I'm going to invest back. Um, the more you the more you take initiative as far as you know treating your character like a human being with interests and desires dreams the more personality and character you give your character the more we're both going to be rewarded for it yeah and I think Cyberpunk lends a lot of it, or, or lends a lot to the player to have the tools to do that, right? Because they have yeah. a life path. Um, 
whether or not the players actually pay attention to the life path is another matter. And I think some of the some of the life path really needs to have a little more, I don't know, positive attitudes. Um, because I think some of them are pretty, pretty heinous, especially the, the ones where, what do you feel about people? Um, I don't know how many players I have who usually, how you feel about people is, you know, leave them to the cockroaches. I get so tired of that shit. Um, and, and same goes with the, uh, the personality of, you know, silent and, and studious or, or whatever, which one they, they have and which basically you're proud and aloof. Um, if, if you, if you randomly get those results on the die roll, I'll accept that. But if every character you've got somehow manages to be, to, to take whatever options are possible to where you uh, that give you the excuse to participate as little as possible in anything but combat. Yeah, we're not we're not gonna get along. We're we're gonna we're gonna clash at some point as like, a player and GM. Just because you're not investing at that. I mean, there are those archetypes. They do exist, and I'm glad. I've, I've played many of them myself. But... And, and there's plenty more that, as a player, you know, you should use the these tables as a guidance. And I think some yeah. people, not only players, but referees, kind of be, are be more beholden to the rules versus, okay, what is your personality like, you know? Um, can you be proud and fluffy-headed? Yeah, yeah, you can <laughs> mix and match that shit. I, I, I like I, I roll for life path. I roll for family background, but I would prefer players like choose what their personality is and you know their personal appearance type stuff. Like that's that's your that's choose that shit for yourself don't just be beholden to the book for that like you can choose as a human being you can choose what your hair looks like you can choose you know whether i'm gonna be a uh you know the strong silent type or i'm gonna be the outgoing jovial type or maybe i'm the strong uh outgoing jovial type or maybe i'm the silent but you know secretly loves everybody kind of guy Yep. Um, mix and match that stuff. Like, take ownership of your character. Uh, yeah, and that's the one thing. I, I don't know if I've mentioned. I Go think ahead. that's the one thing I think um, Red could have improved upon from the 2020 is expanding those charts. Um, instead, it, it seemed like it was just a, a copy paste. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's not much you can really do to the charts. I mean, you can make them bigger, of course, but the reality is, is they need to put more emphasis on the choose part, and yeah. they need to add or mix and match, blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, it's like these are guidelines, people, not not biblical fucking law. Just take it as that. Um I don't know if I'm, I'm, I've talked about this before. I kind of feel like I have, but 
I, I've talked about the Nomad campaign I'm running now, the the Dust and Sorrow, where it follows the exploits of the Vagabond Express, this bus that travels back and forth between all the Nomad markets in North America. Uh, so each leg is its own thing. Now, I tried running this before. I tried running this with my live action group. It was one of the last campaigns I tried running. It was this and like a street gang uh, based campaign. But with this, it failed in the live action because everybody, every single player rolled up the whole anti-social freaking bastard who doesn't want to talk to anybody. And since the campaign is basically all about social interaction with the passengers on the bus, like that's where all the adventure hooks came from. Like nobody was getting any of the adventure hooks, so it was just travel from one place to the next. Oh, we're going to stop and eat some barbecue. Okay, well, you get there. There's no... Nothing groovy happens because nobody's talking to anybody. That campaign so, sounds I, like Chaucer's uh, Canterbury Tales. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, you have a bunch of different people going on yeah. on a journey, right? All of them have just yeah. these weird quirks. I mean, it, 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 in my head, it worked out. Re it it would have been much different than the actual thing. Uh with the online game that I'm running right now, it's a little bit better. They still don't talk to the passengers anywhere near as much as they should. Uh, and I'm not going to force that on them, but uh, they're only like three legs into it. Two and a half, really. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. Hopefully it, it works out better than the in-person game did. Um, at least this time... It's not on their life path that they're all antisocial bastards who don't <laughs> want to talk to anybody. So, fingers crossed. Yeah. Another attribute I, I seek in players or would like in players or, or what makes a good player um, is know your character and know the rules for your character. Um, especially when it comes to the Netrunner class. Uh, I know the rules of Netrunning pretty well if you've been to my site you know that i <laughs> i have uh the netrunner uh, navigation and netrunners have always been a a love of mine even though they get <laughs> shit on for uh 2020 but you know if your character doesn't know the rules or understand the mech the mechanics around certain aspects then either a, they're gonna forget to it, and then you put the, uh, you know, the responsibility of remembering all the rules on the referee, and the referee yeah. he's already overloaded with all the rules and all the NPCs and the rest of the world. Um, so as a referee, sometimes you'll forget, right? For example, if a solo is making an awareness notice roll, and you know the referee says, "Hey, make that roll." <clears throat> It's up to the solo player to say, is this combat situation or an ambush situation? And that will spark the referee to say, oh, yep, yep, you get your, your combat sense. Um, and, and uh, You know, I, with Cyberpunk 2020 rules as written, I, I, can, I, I can see a player not knowing everything that combat sense applies to because it's a very 
like context matters with that and a player will try and add that shit to everything um but as a referee that's where you say you know as a player you should be like does combat sense apply yes or no right and that as a referee should be able to to dictate you know yes or no sure um but yes there is a lot of ambiguity 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 Ambiguity. Uh, ambiguity. Um, uh, English is not my first language. <laughs> uh, you know, around a lot of the special abilities and try to understand it. And just, um, you know, having the player also come up with those ideas of how they can use their special ability can really benefit the game. And, and that's where you get into the yes and, right? So, hey, can I mean, my, my jury rig... That's why I created uh, Interface or Interlock Unlimited is because Cyberpunk 2020 rules as written, a lot of those a lot of those special abilities are just these weird abstract concepts that, like, don't really get explained. Like, Rocker Boy had a whole source book dedicated to it but charismatic leadership still comes off as this weird, arbitrary, like, uh, what kind of mood is the GM in today that's in? How, how, how is he going to allow me to apply this? Um, yeah, I don't like abstract when it comes to rules. I, I just don't. Um, it, it's got its place. There are some things it works for, but something as core as a special ability, I can see where players get confused with that. Uh, you were talking about Netrunners earlier, and it took me 20 years before I actually found a system that I like created a home rule system for Netrunning that allowed me to, okay, we can have players be Netrunners now. Uh, because the rules as written are the weird, like they're, they're a separate system from the rest of the rules in the book. They do not follow the same formula. They don't adhere to really... You're playing a separate game with a Nomad or with a Netrunner to the point that at one point we were uh, using the suggestion from Brainware Blowout to use the card game as our Netrunning rules. And we tried that, and that was actually pretty successful until it basically there were such long distances in between people playing Netrunners that we kept forgetting how to play the game. Uh, yeah, and like my that's a heck of a buy-in to get those cards. Um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hate this. So, I used to what was I? I was a demo guy for for the game back in the day. So nice. I, ha- I had I have boxes and boxes of them. Um, really? Still? Well, not anymore my base (laughs) so basically i had like i don't know six or eight sleeves of the cards like you know those white cardboard boxes you had yeah um however my basement flooded and they were the tragedy oh yeah i had something similar happen to like uh all my like a collection of manga i had uh, a full long box full of manga two full long boxes full of manga got flooded and uh, 
Yeah, we're my, doing all the early Viz stuff and Studio Proteus. Now, my binders of my singles were in a different room. <laughs> so, That's good. I have all the singles, I just don't have, and I think I have a few decks. Um, but other than that, yeah, all my duplicates shit, all gone. Um, I want to say I have yeah, a... I wanted a... I was trying to get at least one full set. I don't know how close I am at this point uh, to completing that set. I wanted one full set with enough extras for the players to build their own sets of whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the completion, completionist in me wanted one personal full set. Um, and then, of course, you know, over the years, the cards just became rarer and rarer. And now... It's unlikely that's ever going to happen. Yeah, as a um, side note, Fantasy Flight Games created a game based off of that Netrunner. Granted, they, they stripped out all the Cyberpunk 2020 references. Yeah, I bought a copy of that and was very disappointed to find out that and it's no longer Cyberpunk 2020 related. Yeah. Um, but there is that, that... It was nice that it... It was well received enough to continue to oh, exist. Dude. I remember when it came out; it was almost as popular for a brief period. It was almost as popular as Magic, yep. um, and then it just like as quickly as it became popular, it died. I think that's what happened with a lot of the CCGs around that time, because you also had like, uh, was it? No. I know you you don't appreciate it, but there was BattleTech, which was cut <laughs> a bit popular as a CCG. Um, that died out very quickly. You had Spellfire from TSR because they were trying to get into the game. That was popular with D and D people, but I think it the mechanics around it just didn't work. No, um, you had like I Legend. remember seeing Spellfire and like the art was really cool, yeah. but. There was Legends uh, of the Five Ring, which kind of was popular in an underground sense. Um, yeah, and then they, it like it was something that started out as a card game, and then they turned it into a full-fledged role-playing game, so yep. it was kind of the opposite. And then that kind of um, died out. And um, yeah. Vampire the Masquerade, or Jihad, the vampire card game. I love that game. <laughs> That game was so great. I, I, I never, I never got into the card game uh, thing to the point that um, really the the Cyberpunk twenty twenty collectible card game. I don't have a single one of those. I, I wish I did. I wish again, like I could get a full set just for the art because uh, I collected the art online as much of it as I could get a hold of. Like you'll find it scattered all over Data Fortress twenty twenty. It was beautiful. Um, but I don't think I so there were there was two versions of the that Cyberpunk came out with. One was unlicensed and there was another one. And I wanna say that well, back in the day I didn't know it was unlicensed and I got like maybe a, a PDF or, or a copy. This is back in the nineties. A copy of all the cards to kind of do some play testing. Um, oh nice. Yeah, dude, 
It's twenty I years do. ago. A lot of a lot of alcohol and a lot of drugs in between then and there. But I don't think I, I have do any know of that. that. The card game had a whole lot of controversy around it. They, uh, artists not getting properly compensated, and like one of the one of the best artists for the for the card game, I, I want to say, committed suicide, and it was pretty tragic. Um, it, it, one of these days, I need to pick up a full set of those cards just just to have them. Um, the only Cyberpunk 2020 merchandise that I don't really want any part of, I don't, I don't care about the, I don't care about the 2077 Funko Pop figures. I, I don't like Funko Pop figures. I just, I don't. Um, but I very much would like to get a hold of. I, I wish you could just buy full sets of this stuff. Instead, they try and make it all collectible and rare and blah blah blah. Everybody wants to sell singles. I just want to buy a full set. Well, what's that, um, the adage that you need to buy something because you're not part of it or something like that? The, the whole concept of the creating the false sense of rarity with yeah. stuff, you know? Which even, even Cyberpunk 2020 went through because if you looked at, like, you know, eBay and, uh, Amazon when when Cyberpunk yeah. 2077 was coming out people were trying to go like oh yeah $300 for you know this source book and it's like no you can still Jesus go to our, our, our Talsorian and get it <laughs> well I, mean, I can have that printed on demand and instead you want to sell me this ratty ass copy well uh, I, I think your pages. <laughs> yeah and they were playing on you know people who, who might have been stupid enough to believe that sh stuff you know yeah. Whereas, like you know, there's stuff like from Atlas Games. What's, who? What's yeah? What's funny is the like the actually rare shit still goes for dirt cheap, but the really common stuff, like the sort, like the core rule book, they're trying to sell it for like five hundred bucks a piece. So yeah. I'm just like, you people are smoking crack. But the interface interface uh, magazines, I think, are well worth the money. Yeah, if you can find, <laughs> I, I'm glad to have a copy of all the interface, all the uh, Punk 21s. Yeah, I'm missing um, a few of the interface. I, you know, I, I've got some extras in storage. If if I can ever get into them, I'll take a look. Which ones are you missing? Um, the red cover with the uh, Arasaka guy. Mm. I'm only missing like two or three of them. I think the only ones I have extras of are the last couple. Uh, I know I've got an extra of the Cthulhu one. I have that one. Okay. Um. But <laughs> let's let's get back on topic. Um. Yeah. yeah. Way way off. Um. Apologies, everyone. But it's always good to talk about nostalgia. Um, just for these young whippersnappers who missed out on all the fun stuff we had. <laughs> There's a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. Of course, today, you guys get all sorts of fun stuff that we don't, that we couldn't have dreamed of back then. Thanks to, like, 
uh, 3D printers and all that kind of shit with the, the miniature market is much better than what we had growing up. Um, yeah, and it's different. It's way different, right? So I, I think course, the-, the miniatures today are so much more expensive than what we had, which I don't get. Because the stuff we had was made out of metal. The stuff they had is like print-on-demand fucking plastic. Well, but somehow our, like our metal was lead. <laughs> Unpainted lead that we would play with with our fingers, and you know, oh, of course, bite my fingernail. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> there, there was that. Um. um. But yeah, so so from a player point of view, yes, I, I, I want them to kind of know know their rules, right? If they have a special gun, like the vault pistol, know the rules yeah. and be able to tell me those rules as a referee. Um, vault pistols happen to be my favorite gun, so I kind of know those rules by heart. But other types of guns that, you know, they're they're looking for, you know... Definitely My understand favorite. those rules and, and be able to explain them quickly so I don't have to look them up, right? Uh, I agree. If, if you've got some weird piece of tech, be it some obscure cyber or whatever, have an idea of what it does. And if it's from something other than the core book or one of the Chromebooks, write down both write down the book you got it from and preferably the page number so if i have to look i i've got access to everything so you're not gonna you're not gonna get me saying blah 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 if it come from a website that's fine notate what website let me know i will i will find that stuff most likely it's going to be available on my own site somewhere but um yeah I, I don't expect everybody to memorize everything. I expect them to have a general idea of what their stuff does uh, if they put it on their character sheet, and I expect them to tell me where they got it from so that if a question arises, I can look it up and yeah. everybody's on the same page. Um, the other attribute of a good player for me is the acceptance that your character might die <laughs> especially in a cyberpunk game oh yeah because i i've dealt with players who build a lot around their character and either through crappy rolling or stupid mistakes they make they end up dead at the end of the session um which kind of gives them a bitter pill to swallow and often causes a little bit of resentment against the GM. Like, why did you do that to my character? Uh, and that is not what I'm looking for in a cyberpunk player. Um, the off chance that you get might get hit in the head, well, there, there's a stat for that. It's called luck. You use your luck points to avoid getting a head hit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Red like tries to throw all these weird arbitrary rules at luck like 
apparently in red, luck can't be used to overcome a fumble, which... Or on death saves. Like, luck can't be used on death saves. Like, that's the whole point of luck, is to use that shit on death saves. That's why you say... That's why everybody hoards their luck points. Uh, um, but traditionally, luck is so fucking useful, and it's so overlooked. Uh... I'm veering off tar- tangent, off on a tangent again. I apologize, people. Um, yeah, I was going to say something important, and I forgot what it was completely. <laughs> so luck, I think we were talking about luck and the acceptance of death as characters. Or, or having a player accept death, their character's death. And not not hold any resentment against you or the situation, right? Oh, that's, I was going to, my advice to players uh, who tend to like fall in love with their characters. I'm, I'm one of those people. Uh, If I, there are characters I create that I freaking love. Um, And if, if they die someday, then it's not under the right circumstances like them making a heroic sacrifice. It's going to hurt. It's, it's going to be painful. So what I, what I do is in any new, anytime I'm faced with a new GM or a new group or whatever, uh, some change to the dynamic, the character I create, I don't care about. I make a conscious effort that I don't care about this character. Um, until at least five sessions in. If, if after five sessions with at least one major combat in it, if he's still alive, then I'll start to care about him. Um, it, if not, well, there we go. Just mix and match. Get to know your GM. You'll see how like bloodthirsty they are, for lack of a better term. Uh, you'll see... Uh, you'll, you'll get a feel for how violent the campaign is and what to expect um but yeah don't don't fall in love with your new character don't don't create a character that you're in love with uh create a character that you don't care if they live or die and then give them personality as you go along don't life path is great but don't go beyond life path to give them some giant elaborate backstory for a character whose actual life is not gonna warrant that you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've i had characters I love, and I've had characters I love who've died. Um, and in the past 40-plus years I've been playing <laughs> role-playing games, there was only one death that I just found I still, to this day, and it's been at least 30 years since since that game was ran that I was just I still do not accept it <laughs> yeah um yeah you like some characters just they become lives of their own they become good buddies they, they are yeah and that's the nature of role playing I mean these are your characters so you're going to identify with them more than Batman or like any favorite 
fictional character out there, they're going to be even, you're going to be closer to them because they're yours. They're your heart and soul that you put into them. Um, yeah. So with new GMs, don't, don't do that. Don't put heart, heart and soul into them until you've seen whether they're going to be able to survive. or not. I mean, every character can die. That's, that's, the basis of role playing is every character's got a chance at death. Uh, some GMs, some campaigns, that chance is much higher than others. Like well, if you get attached to a paranoia character, you sir <laughs> need to take another pill. <laughs> and you've gone through six clones. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like paranoia is not. It's definitely not a game you want to. Um, you don't want to get attached to. You don't get attached to your characters, because the fun of killing your character is 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 the point of the game. Um, yeah. And and again, like I think we talked about this in our, our last session about systems. Systems to me have a different flavor when it comes to Absolutely. players. When it comes to uh, how you run a game, um, you know, like paranoia is definitely the off-the-wall cartoon, rat, you know, Bugs Bunny, Tom and Jerry, you know. Like, you, you can't play that game seriously. I don't care who you are and how, how much you claim to otherwise. If you play, if you play paranoia seriously, you have missed the point of paranoia. Yeah, versus something like, you know, a, a more uh, serious game, like I would push into Call of Cthulhu, um, Cyberpunk, I would consider like more of a serious game. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's vampire, some vampire. Uh, uh, to me, those I are mean, more dark, serious, and, and more adult. And like, D&D... I think D and D is your uh, middle of the road. Like D and D is basically the starter set. It's it's the standard by which all other games are based on uh, are are judged against because it's so ubiquitous. It's everyone's everyone's heard of Dungeons and Dragons, whether they play it or not. Everyone's heard of it. Um, it's it's the it's the it's the whale in the small pond. And um, and for player. You know, for building up that character and having that attachment to that character, D and D is kind of the perfect system for that, right? Because you have the ability to raise dead, resurrect, do all these other things to kind of bring back that character if you need to. Um, <clears throat> versus like Call of Cthulhu, Cyberpunk, those have a fin fin a, a finale or. or a final death that can happen to characters, right? Yeah. Um, so when I'm playing like a cyberpunk character, I do have a bit of attachment and I'm going to play that character as is. But I also know that at any time that character can die and not put, I wouldn't say I wasn't putting my, all my effort in it, but I also was on the understanding that, you know, I could lose this character at any time by making stupid mistakes. Or luck of the dice, right? <clears throat> and, and that's 
That again, I think as a GM, if you're not using it, you should. Uh, when you roll location and someone, and at least in 2020, and someone hits a head, allow a luck point to divert that, right? Absolutely. Um, for Cyberpunk like Red. Can, I mean, for me, luck can be used to like move. Uh, any roll, anything that is rolled in Cyberpunk, anything you can use luck on um, in my game. Uh, you just have to declare that you're using luck before you make that roll. That's that's the one the one rule I have. Um, you want to change a hit location? That's fine. You want to change your to hit roll that's fine you want to use one point of luck to negate a fumble that's fine that's what it's there for um and i think with red your survivability is a little better yes you know if an npc decides to shoot you in the head they do a little more damage dude red is so much more infinitely survivable than 2020 it's it's I mean, they're not even in the in, in, in on the same wavelength as far as that. Sure, you can make called shots in red, but NPCs aren't going to make called shots. I mean, they're not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> Speak for yourself. I mean, if they're facing facing an elite solo or strike team sure like if they're going after an elite solo or whatever but i mean in general combat like the mook's not going to aim for your character's head uh in the first place that's just too much paperwork to keep for a gm to keep track of and the second that's just kind of the at that point that's just kind of the gm being a dick not that gms being a dick isn't part of what's going on sometimes like sometimes that's just what happens but in general, uh, like a Friday night firefight with just some mooks, you shouldn't have to worry about that kind of thing with with a game like Red. Red is Red is good for the modern gamer. It, it follows the modern gamer sensibilities. It's it's rules simpler. I'm not gonna say it's rules light because it's still a lot of rules, um, but it's rules simpler. Uh, yeah. Um, other aspects of uh, a good cyberpunk player. One thing I like is players who, I wouldn't say, uh, eh, take take serious the out of game or not out of game, but out of out of session upkeep, right? Um, I, I always like a player who who goes off and buys, you know, seven sets of clothes or keeps track of their kibble pre packs. Right? Sure. Or or oh the more organized <laughs> your character is, the happier I am. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've looked at my character sheets, but Yeah. Like they are definitely geared towards like where's your character where on your body is your character keeping this shit? <laughs> But things like that, and, and, and like, oh, my rins due next week, you know. As a I'm GM, a big proponent of if you don't have it written on your character sheet, you don't have it. 
I, yeah. I, I am huge about that. I know players, some players who want to abstract that. Like, well, of course my character's got a wallet and ID, really? Because I can't find that shit anywhere on your character sheet. Well, let's <laughs> just take it for granted. No, I don't take that shit for granted. Yeah, and I think that's oh. something that's changed within um, some it's, RPGs. It's part of the modern, modern RPG philosophy is now they want to abstract that shit. Yeah. They don't want to keep track of all that kind of stuff. But to me, keeping track of all that stuff makes for a, makes for a more realistic feel for the game. I, I like resources are important. Like if you are suddenly find yourself stranded in the middle of the woods somewhere, what you have on your character, what you have on your body is in, becomes very important. Um, you just pulling something out of your ass and saying, well, of course, of course, my character's got like six condoms in his pocket, so I've got plenty of ways to carry water. Like, nope. <laughs> nope, that's not going to work for me. Yeah, and, and that's... Again, I think that's where I get... You, you bring up the whole yes and, right? And that whole improv point of view. <clears throat> for us, it was considered... Cr- or is now considered crunch. Of You should have whatever you have on your character should be done. Um, you don't, you're not renting an apartment, then you have, you're homeless and you're living out on the streets. Yeah. What are you doing tonight? There's coffins for a hundred EB. So deduct that from your, you know, from your cost. <clears throat> um, if you're a nomad, you can always sleep in your car. That's yeah. You nomads. And for for me, for cyberpunk, I love when players start getting into that nitty gritty, right? In my current campaign, that shit makes me so happy. Oh my god, I am with you there. Like I said, the more you invest in your character, the happier I'm going to be with you as a player. And for me, I have players who are seeking out, you know, going into the combat zone, looking for abandoned buildings to pick up shop talk with the Amen. local talk with a local gang to get protection you know and, and do things like that and, and that I think I also provided that in that <clears throat> when the character said okay where are you guys living you know make sure on your sheet you, you set your apartments and of course all of them are like yeah I can't afford anything beyond combat zone so I'm going to stay with the cheapest one-room apartment in the combat I mean, zone. I'm like, okay, so you guys, part of your rent is paying off the gang that kind of gives you protection. Uh, and once honestly, they heard that, they were like, oh, so we're in the combat zone. There's abandoned buildings all over the place. Let's start scouting out, like, other buildings that I could, like, like the techies. Like, I want to build out, like, a chop shop. For, for stolen cars, because that's what I want to get into, you know? And consequently, that's also the mark of a good GM, is how much you're willing to work with your player on realistic goals like that. Like, it doesn't have to be... Like, they can find an, uh, an abandoned building that they can take over. They can... Uh, like, a good GM will allow that shit to happen. They will allow the player some measure of uh, creativity in that. Um, you can find used cars. You can find uh, uh, 
low rent apart low rent housing even outside the combat zone it may not you're not going to get something like downtown or in one of the nicer suburbs but you know you could you could maybe you could rent a room from somebody in one of those suburbs you could maybe get a coffin downtown you could maybe you can get secondhand clothing you can go to goodwill and find some pretty good shit that people have donated you can work with your players on this let them they're not going to get the best and the brightest of shit, but they can get fairly decent kit uh, that's not going to completely break their bank if the GMs are willing to work with them on a character concept as opposed to like straight what's in the rules. Yep. And, and again, I think we stress this plenty of times throughout various podcasts that we've done is, you know, that definitely keep the communication lines open. Um, yeah. and discuss this and <clears throat> you know I've had kind of a hiatus from running cyberpunk to recently doing it within the past year or two um, and, and the group I have you know at the end of the session we start you know hey how how are things and we start talking about stuff not necessarily in-game, but out-of-game. But we also talk about, like, in-game stuff. And that's where the dialogue y you get between players. So, <clears throat> if you are um, doing remote games, either through Roll20, Foundry, whatever VTT you're using, you don't want to end the session. You still want to keep talking past that. So, always... A allocate yourself as a referee and as players some time to have after game chat right um because oh, even yeah, in, keep it, those lines of communication open and even in player games like if you it, you, you always have that after game chat um that you do have because as a referee you're always going to find an endpoint. <clears throat> and in game or sorry in person games um you know when the referee says hey i'm going to call it now yeah there's going to be some players who get up and leave immediately because they have somewhere to roll because that's one of the causes of the end of the game <clears throat> but as players you know you definitely want to sit and talk with your gm about things a you, you want to see within your game or, or what you want to do with your characters or how you thought maybe how the campaign can go. And, and that kind of session can bring other players involved to kind of gear where you want that campaign to go, which gives the GM or referee, I, don't know, I prefer that term when we're talking about cyberpunk, is a direction in which they can plan. Because that's that's another attribute that I, I love about characters is if you can give me, as a referee, what you want to do in future scenarios, I can plan that stuff. I can yeah. write up some descriptions and, and come up with some scenarios, come up with NBCs, come up with locations, do whatever I need to do to kind of guide you into that area and whether it happens next session, third session, fourth session, whatever. I have that in my arsenal 
to present during the game. Let me know what you see, what what you what will help you achieve what you consider to be your character's potential. Like the are there moments that you want your character to experience? Are there scenes or action sequences? Is there some type of gear that will, you know, when you get it, your character will reach a zenith, whatever. Uh, yeah, communication, having a clear idea of who your character is and what you want them to be. That's 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 good stuff right there. If you If you can bring that to the table with your GM, you're going to have a good session. If you're both on board, again, same page. Um, you know what I look forward to, or what I what I enjoy? I enjoy players who are familiar with the concept and context of the setting of the game. Not, I don't want to have to explain to someone what cyberpunk is. Um, because that is at some point you just take it for granted that everybody knows what cyberpunk is, but some people really don't. Some people just, I'm not even talking about the people who like argue about what is and what is cyberpunk. I'm talking about people who just are, are absolutely clueless as to what that genre entails and what it actually means. Go um, aliens. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> They've never seen Blade Runner. They don't. They don't get it. They like RoboCop was something they weren't allowed to watch as kids, so they just never saw it. Like they just, they don't get the 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 genre as a concept, uh, or the setting as a concept. Because really, to me, it's more of a setting than a genre. Like, there is a cyberpunk <clears throat> genre, but you can play within the setting without being trapped by the precepts of the genre. Well, I, I think with, and, and we're going to divulge or diverge here from, from our topic of players. When you're talking about cyberpunk genres, it's even cyberpunk, right? From a sci-fi sci point of view, right? So <clears throat> cyberpunk is a subgenre of sci-fi. And even cyberpunk has sub-genres, right? You have the transhuman, you have the clean... Uh, Post-cyberpunk, pre-cyberpunk, diesel-punk. Yeah, diesel-punk. Yeah. I, I get so tired of people adding punk as a, as a... Yes. So, so Just anything, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, that, that's another problem of, of punk <laughs> and, and what it adds to. But from cyberpunk, you have, um, you definitely have like a, a clean cyberpunk genre, which is kind of like Minority Report. And again, you could think of this as the corporate world, right? Minority Report, AI, um, and it's kind of like that that era of iRobot of this white cyberpunk kind of, you know. I don't know. <clears throat> Smearing well, Vaseline on the on the lens of the camera to kind of make it, uh, you know, fuzzy. Sure. Um, versus Mad Max, right? And that cyberpunk of 
it's apocalypse it's wasteland it's far in between uh, the, i mean the... okay the original mad max film is cyberpunk it's rural cyberpunk but it's cyberpunk it's before yeah. the apocalypse it's near future advanced tech in the form of their cars <laughs> um yeah it's it's i classify the original mad max as cyberpunk the movies that follow are post-apocalypse but that's well is it is it post-apocalypse or is it i mean road warrior thunderdome and fury road are all very definitely post-apocalypse yeah but if you look at Austra australia right i mean granted it, the, right, it is the australia. middle <laughs> the middle of the that continent is uh <laughs> definitely wasteland <laughs> I mean, okay, everything still wants to kill us. It's just now slightly radioactive. Right. As well. Um, and apparently assless chaps are, are the fashion statement of the year. Assless right. chaps and football pants. And then you have Blade Runner, which is is very dirty, grungy, noir. Um, I think Blade Runner sets the standard for the visual of what cyberpunk is supposed to look like. I right. mean, that's just... Everybody wants to give it to William Gibson, but honestly, when you think of cyberpunk, you think of Blade Runner. I think William Gibson was a little better at it because he he took all elements of high society, corporate, gutter punk, the middle, right, with with Neuromancer, um, yeah, and I kind can... of did that whole strata of the societies that could exist within the near future, the the the, the cyberpunk age. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and, and when you think of William Vincent, I'm not talking about you know just Johnny Mnemonic from a visual point oh, no, of view. I mean burning chrome all don't get me wrong i love william gibson's work i do um however i really think that the only thing are like new and unique he gave us was his version of the internet uh his version of interfacing uh, like everything else he did philip k dick had done like a decade prior or more you don't think itero or Itaru was new and different not particularly like i'd seen those concepts before of of a, an ai marrying a human um i mean tron mm, true <laughs> i never really thought of tron as that but what yeah but well yeah. i mean flynn definitely put the moves on what's her face true true but I mean, so successful because she was Tron's girl. But he tried. But in Tron, that's in the system, right? Versus publicly as as a media sensation. Well, I mean, even that, even I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I love Gibson. I just don't think he's the end all be all of everything cyberpunk. Uh, and capricious nature, yes, Orwell was definitely the OG of it. Um, yeah, or Orwell is Orwell is the originator of well, you know what? He's not. 
Mary Shelley was. But Orwell was the one who made it popular. Mary Shelley is not looked upon as a science fiction writer as much as a horror writer. But I mean, she invented science fiction as well. But you think Frankenstein was considered... Mm, Yeah, kind of. I mean... I mean, it's considered horror. Like that's it's firmly in the horror genre, but it's also science fiction. It's definitely science fiction. In fact, it's like some. It's like the first science fiction. Capricious nature. You don't know who Mary Shelley is? Frankenstein. She yeah, wrote Frankenstein. A, yeah. I don't think she might have wrote other poems, but she never wrote any other novels. Uh, yeah. It, I mean. <laughs> She didn't have to. <laughs> she gave us Frankenstein. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting concept of... I mean, Frankenstein, as a concept, is pretty fucking cyberpunk, to be honest. It is. It is. You're, you're, you're augmenting a human to become stronger than a human... And also mm-hmm. have the immortality of a human. You are <laughs> you, through through science of peoples to create something new and monstrous. Yeah, through science. You know, I mean, Brahms, <laughs> Dracula was supernatural, mummy supernatural, werewolf supernatural, but yeah, she kind of took science in. I mean, she, I don't think... it's not like she had that great of an understanding of science, but it's definitely more science-minded than the other horror of the time. Like I said, it's it, she's she's the inventor of science fiction. Orwell did it bigger and better, but yeah, I don't think Marie Shelley gets enough credit. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of see that. Um, wow, interesting discussion that we're having tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, capricious. I don't think, I don't think dystopia is necessary in cyberpunk. It's, it's helpful. Um, it's I certainly yeah. more common features, but it's not, it's not necessary. I think it is necessary. I think dystopian future is is one of the hallmarks of cyberpunk. It's sure it is, but it's not. It's a very common theme in cyberpunk, but like I said, I don't think it's necessary. There I, are there are works that I consider to be cyberpunk that aren't really dystopian. All right, name one. They'll have dystopian aspects. Uh the island is not really dystopian. Like it's dystopian for the people who for the clones that live on the island. No, but for everybody else, it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. <laughs> no, it it's awesome for the people who can afford it. Because sure. the one thing about the island is you don't know what happens to poor people or or how well, poor no, people. No, because they don't discuss it. But you do see like traffic on the roads. It's not like there's only rich people out there. Maybe um, there is. I mean. <laughs> the only people who can drive on the road are, are, are rich people. And again, to me, I, I, okay, what what's the concept of dystopian? Right? Is it 
I, well, oh. there, there's the there's the million dollar question because I mean, that's going to change from person to person as to what is actually a dystopia. Are, so, are we currently living in the dystopian future? Because, as you well, said, you're 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 yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, 40, you're 49. So, honestly, can you, uh, with the exception of Star Trek? I find it hard pressed to think of any any like widely accepted science fiction that's not dystopic in some way or another. But that's an aspect of of cyberpunk is there is dystopian there is the haves and the have nots. There's the oh, is that is that really dystopia though or is that just light? <clears throat> I mean, what what, uh, what what is a non dystopic future that you've seen other than Star Trek? Where everything's happy and shiny. Um. So non-dystopian future. I'm trying to think of like you know, <laughs> lost in space. Um. Again, we're 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 talking about you know, science I mean, fiction versus a, uh, like the, the new remake of Lost in Space. It's not really dystopic. I mean, they're they're stranded on a fucking planet somewhere, but the actual society itself was fairly utopian. Um, so as far as right. what's left, because they're all living on a spaceship together. So iRobot um, is not necessarily dystopic, right? Because you have robots that are given to the poor. Are we talking about the movie or the novel? The movie. Okay. So by that token, you don't think iRobot is cyberpunk? God damn you! <laughs> <laughs> um, has cyberpunk elements? See, but it's it's to not me the only thing that cyberpunk really requires as a setting is near future. Uh, near future with some advanced level of, of technology. Um, and even then, it's more near future than anything else. Like, I consider personally, I consider the Warriors to be cyberpunk. I consider that cyberpunk as well. Um, like, there's no real advanced technology in it, uh, other than the fact that they use the radio as a means of communication in between the gangs. Like, that was pretty, that was pretty novel. And that was a, it's not adv necessarily advanced technology as much as it is advanced use of existing technology, which is street finds its way, core concept of cyberpunk as a, a genre. Um, yeah, so, and, and Capricious Nature is writing, iRobot is dystopian fiction. Again... <laughs> It's hard I to describe what... robots kill everybody. It seems pretty ideal. He was the one guy who was all like, man, this everybody else is walking around with a big smile on their face, having their robots do their groceries and shit like that. I mean, dystopia has such a weird and broad definition that like, I, you're never going to get people. It's like the concept of cyberpunk itself. You're never going to find two people who wholly agree on what it means. Right. Yeah, well, we can agree that Aliens is not cyberpunk, right? <laughs> we can agree, but it does have a lot of cyberpunk elements. 
certain shows pull in cyberpunk technology. How about that? There, there's a cyberpunk technology, and then there's a cyberpunk genre. Um, yeah, I mean, setting and genre are two completely separate things. Um, they often are intertwined, but it's like people who say there's such a thing as cyberpunk music. There's, there's no such thing as cyberpunk music. You're never going to find two people who agree on what makes some, some one piece of music cyberpunk or not. Yeah, because um, in the '90s, industrial music was cyberpunk, and I consider um, it cyberpunk. Whereas some people consider synthwave. New wave was cyberpunk. Yep. Today, it's this retro wave stuff that's cyberpunk, and it—it's all just music. It's it. it, it I mean, having neon light shows going on in the music videos does not make anything more or less cyberpunk. Right. It's just whatever mindset it puts you in. I think um, in the 80s and 90s, what was considered cyberpunk was use leading edge technology to create music, right? You know, you would think that, <clears throat> but then you watch Blade Runner and they're listening to jazz all the time. Again, Blade Runner was cyberpunk noir, right? Well, Which everything is, is cyberpunk something. I think that's that's where the whole genre like kind of goes off into this crazy like RoboCop the only music it has is uh, Basil Polydorus's uh, score which is awesome but it, I'd be hard pressed to call that cyberpunk music and like for me Dread is definitely a <clears throat> epitome of like the cyberpunk, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> it has the sprawl, which doesn't you know? It gets into the nitty gritty, the gutter punk of the the world, and doesn't get into the higher culture. And that's I mean, that's the other thing I think with certain certain media and, and genres of cyberpunk is it's very hard to define because there's so many levels to it or, or can be to it. I, I look at it like this. Unless the song that I'm listening to like is specifically telling a story that takes place in like a cyberpunk world um, like uh, like Rob Zombie's more human than human that's a cyberpunk song to me because it's singing about cyberpunk shit um otherwise it's just a sound of music that is happening and when i run a cyberpunk game nobody there's no standard style of music it's it's in the future people are going to be listening to the same diversity of music they have now except more so yep yeah, for me, we have the the nine the nine inch nails song, uh, "Becoming." Yeah, that's a good one too. Screams cyberpunk, right? I mean, anything anything industrial is always going to give me cyberpunk feels. I I, I was alive in the nineties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like you throw some. Uh... Yeah. KMFDM at me, I'm going to think, I, like in the back of my head, I'm thinking cyberpunk. 
Um, <coughs> yeah, came in at the end is, is a weird thing because they were like anti-drugs and they were it, they have such a, a weird sound and such a weird everything really um yeah kmfdm is we have veered so far off the topic yeah <laughs> i had to stop and like remind myself of what we were actually talking about um well our, i don't remember how we got here our audience is small and so I think we're entertaining the few people who are on, which... I mean, I've said it before, to me, if you really want to define, like, what is cyberpunk music, I mean, Rage Against the Machine is the most cyberpunk band of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, it's anti-core. certainly the epitome <laughs> of what a rocker boy is supposed to be. True. Like they are the truest representation. They're they're highly political. They're they're also rockers. They use their voice in a very not only as a as a as not only do they use their voice to make awesome music, but they're also making very political points with, with their music. They are the epitome of what a rocker boy is supposed to be. And then, of course, uh, you have like someone like Steve Ryan who's like, oh, I loved Rage Against the Machine. I was one of their biggest fans. I'm like, dude, and yeah, <laughs> you yeah, are you the person. You, <laughs> you are the machine that they are raging against. Uh, you know, Alice Cooper's great and all. His music was really... It was so very 80s pop. Like Everybody treats it like he was this big heavy metal dude, but heavy metal in the 80s was basically just pop with more guitar. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, Alice Cooper did do the theme song for... Oh, what's the name of that movie? Uh... Class of 1990. Yes. <laughs> yep. Class of 1990. 1990. Yeah, 90 or 99. Yeah, it was definitely... 99 was the weird cyborg one that was that was totally cyberpunk and badass. 1990 no. was... But wasn't it like um, a gang-filled high school that like... Yeah, it was like a gang-filled yeah. high school and, and Alice Cooper did the theme song for it. It was a pretty good yeah. song. Anytime anybody mentions Alice Cooper as being cyberpunk, I think of that song. And, and that movie was definitely a, a... It might have inspired Mike. It might have not. It was definitely on the lines of that whole 80s cyberpunk. Like, I, I, I don't have the book in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it's listed as one of those inspired by things that are in the middle of the book, along with like Naked Lunch and... Um, Naked lunch. Naked lunch was not cyber. Well, I suppose you, you could do. take it in the cyberpunk. It's got cyberpunk aspects, but I, it's yeah, not on my it cyberpunk was... viewing list. It's, it's, I love the movie. I love William S. Burroughs. Um, I think Peter Sellers did a fantastic job in that movie. What was? What? Actually, what? <laughs> 
Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, I was about to say, like, I don't know, remember that version. Was that time. earlier? <laughs> um, but all the stuff, all the stuff that's cyberpunk in the movie that, e- that is even remotely tangentially cyberpunk and naked lunch is all basically hallucinations like there is no inner zone he's just high off his fucking gourd so capricious nature naked lunch was written by burroughs um yeah. and it was burroughs. it was made into a movie and it was considered unfilmable and then they filmed it and then they filmed it and it's I would say you, if you liked Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, you'd probably like Naked Lunch a lot. Yeah, if you definitely like have an avant-garde, and again, I don't know if avant-garde is 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 a term nowadays, but back in the '90s, it was definitely a hey, you want to see something really weird. Fucked up. Go like, go see this. Um, if you ever wanted to grow it to watch a grown man fuck a caterpillar typewriter, <laughs> it's the movie for you. Uh, yeah. Um, it was considered avant-garde. Yeah. Yes, capricious nature. You know, you, you missed a lot of the things in the '90s that were just. Yeah, you, I mean. And again, you're, you're the '80s, the '70s, everybody. the '60s. There's a lot of crazy shit that happened, and Peter Weller did a lot of stuff that, uh, like, other than RoboCop, he did a lot of stuff that, if it wasn't cyberpunk explicitly. It was cyberpunk adjacent. Yeah. Buckaroo Banzai is cyberpunk adjacent. Um, Not in the fact that the movie itself is like cyberpunk, but the way his entourage works definitely reminds me of a cyberpunk campaign. Yeah. So we've gotten into the phase in which we are rambling for the past 20 plus minutes. Oh my God. Um, yeah, we are. <laughs> so I think we covered all the points we were, we were looking for in a, a, a player in what we expect from players. Um, I don't think there's too much other than, you know, just, just be the, part of the group. common sense, you know, what I'm looking for in a player. And that's a decent human being. Like, don't 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 game with people that aren't decent human. Don't don't associate with people who aren't dis- decent human beings. It's like fill your oh, yeah. game with people that you would actually want to hang out with. Oh yeah, and that's <laughs> that's definitely another thing that you know you definitely want to look into for a player is a if they start becoming a, a abusive. And uh, being a, a douchebag to other players, that is definitely a hey. I'm stopping the game, and don't wait. <laughs> Do not wait if if they're doing something horrible immediately. Yeah. Do not so, wait. <laughs> get rid of them. Um, don't be a, is, is the number one rule. Uh, like, don't play with dicks. Don't don't entertain them just just eliminate them as quickly as 
possible. If they come in and they're aggressive towards other players, if like I don't care if you drink, I don't care if you like. I don't care if you smoke weed. I don't care if you drink, as long as you don't do it to the excess to where you become a problem in the, uh, with me trying to run a game. I had a dude who, I mean, we'd all sit around and have a beer or whatnot, but this one dude would come over and he'd get fucking drunk. And when he got drunk, he got aggressive. And everybody else was like, no, I don't kick him out. He's a, he's a great guy. I'm like, no, he's gone because I can't run a game with this motherfucker getting in my face over every ruling that he doesn't like or every time he's not in the spotlight. Yeah, that um, <laughs> that's another thing outside of gaming you need to address is, okay, if, if you're going to have one or two, that's fine. If you're going to get shit-faced, I'd rather not have that happen in my game. If you want to be part of my game, don't get shit-faced, right? Yeah, it's, it's be respectful. Um, had a dude who, uh, he was a great player uh, up until we had a girl join the group. And then he just turned into this creepy fucking lech, and we were just like, "Dude, you can't." Yeah, we're 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 picking her over you because she's not the problem. You are. Yep. And and that's another thing as like a referee when you're dealing with players, and I don't know if we covered it in the last session is, um, when you hear something awkward, do not concentrate on the person who said something awkward or something unusual look at everyone else's and understand the table <laughs> and read the table you know yeah I, I i know as a human being you might be like dumbfounded at what just came out of a certain person's mouth but you gotta be able to be like oh shit i gotta look at the rest of the table and how they take it because if you look I'm at the rest of the table and you see like horror in everyone's face <laughs> You need to address if, it if immediately. Players isn't showing up because somebody's making them uncomfortable. You need to be able to notice them. Yeah. Um, I've got a I've got a tremendously fucked up sense of humor. I don't share it here. I don't share it with people outside my circle. Um, but yeah, I, I've got a tremendously fucked up sense of humor. But I make sure to tell anybody who's any of my friends who might hear this kind of stuff that if I offend them or make them uncomfortable at any point, let me know immediately and I will never do that around them again. I'm um, the same way. <laughs> it's important to have that level of communication. If you ignore the fact that you're making your friends feel uncomfortable, you are a dick. You don't know why that's making them feel uncomfortable. You don't have to know why. You just have to know it is. Yep. Um, and and again, as a player, you should realize that if if you say something outrageous or y you read the party wrong, right? Look at everyone's expression across the table, and especially yeah. the referee. And if anyone gives you like "what the fuck" kind of look. You might want to be like, oh, I'm sorry about that, and continue playing and keep that off to the side until you find a group that's a little more understanding. Um, but if you're in, into a group that's way more understanding in which you're, you know, you drop 
really obscene type of language, uh, you might want to judge yourself like, hmm, do I want to really be around these people? Well, it's it's like anything else. Same page. Get with people who are on the same page. Um, and that applies to really anything in life. Um, not everybody has to be in strict 100% agreement, but everybody's got to be on the same page, willing to compromise and find that middle ground where everybody's comfortable, everybody's having a good time. Um, yeah, that's... That's my number one rule for looking for players or GMs is same page. Yep. And again, which again is why a session zero is super important. So you can make sure everybody's on the same page. And I think even with session zero, you talk about certain things. um, But as the campaign progresses, those attitudes might change, right? Um, because there's a certain level of trust. I think with yeah. with a, a session zero, it's often new players, new new referee coming in coming into the situation, not knowing everyone's expectations or even everyone's attitude or understanding of who they are as a person, uh, which I think in today's society is very very hard to understand especially through the various social medias that there are is you think you know somebody I think it's getting easier and easier to understand who people are because they're outing themselves more nowadays Mm, I I would disagree with that because some people might say something that I I don't want to get into that because one of the reasons why I left was social media platforms. Um, people can yeah, take can take words differently and jump on certain words and not read or understand the person behind it. Right? Um, sure, I get you. Intent is intent <laughs> is everything. Intent is everything, and you know, you know me, I know you. We kind of talked outside, so. We kind of know each other, so if I say something stupid, you're going to sit there and teach me and correct me and like, hey, you really shouldn't do that, right? Versus somebody who's going to be like, attack you, right? Which is is a little different. On both sides of the argument, there are are always going to be people who are just looking to be aggressive. Yep. Um, They're looking for conflict. And if you're looking for conflict, you're going to find it even if you have to create oh, it. Most definitely. Um, uh, and that is the sad reality of social media, especially since people can do that anonymously, hiding behind their keyboard. Um, and, and not only with social media, you also have that session zero, right? And that is where the whole introduction, understanding gets or 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 you set a baseline right and after several sessions and you know like i've said in the previous thing when you talk about taboo topics 
not all those topics are going to be session zero. They're going to be topics that you express later, later in the game. And from players' point of view is if, uh, as a referee, I'm starting to introduce concepts that, you know, I didn't really interpret at, from session zero or maybe I've forgotten or, or whatever. Um, as a player, you definitely want to speak up and, and communicate that, you know, I don't like where this campaign is going. Um, or yeah. I'm having a problem with a certain player. <clears throat> and as a referee, oh, I, I need that feedback. And yes, I've heard hor the horror stories of players who voiced to their referee that they've had a problem with another player and the referee ignores it. Or that's worse, like uses that as a point of attack. Yeah. <laughs> because they're as toxic as the problem player in the first place. Right. Is okay. So that's, that's defeating the purpose of my mind gaming. Um, Remember kids, bad gaming is worse than, is much worse than no gaming. Yeah. And you know, the, 40 plus and granted I'm an old boy the 40 40 plus years I've been gaming I've always been gaming with friends and if you can't yeah. talk to your friends and if you especially I think with the online system it, it's difficult um, I think in the beginning you should be able to get comfortable with your group that you're gaming with to be able to express <clears throat> what you have problems with within the game. Um, if someone's attacking you for no reason and the rest of the group is bullying you, leave the game. You know, as a player, yeah. don't, don't take there that shit. groups out there. <laughs> there are there tons are other... of other groups who are looking um, for acceptance and, and yeah. who are Start willing... Your own. Yeah, that's the other thing. Do, do, as a player, do not hesitate to become a referee. That's another attribute. As if you a don't want a referee, if you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. But there are always other groups out there. You can you you may have to change your your parameters. You may have to like start playing a different game for a while. You may have to like try online gaming instead of doing it purely first person. But although, I mean, honestly. We're in the middle of a pandemic. If you're if you're not already exploring the online option, I I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you're you're a lot less desperate about gaming than I am. Yeah, and that's to me that's another attribute I like about players. Certain players who are willing to take over the game uh, and become or experiment being a referee. Yeah. Um. Yes, you're probably going to suck the first time. But if you're a good referee, you're going to accept them doing the bad things and screwing up the game and fucking up the rules. And yes, they're going to look to you to explain the rules. Is for new groups. Uh, if you can't figure out who's going to GM, I think every like what, well, a good experiment is to have everyone GM like two sessions a piece in a shared world, just 
let everybody get their shot at GMing and then see who likes it, who doesn't. Yep. Um, Because being good at it does not necessarily mean you're going to want to do it. Um, Wanting to GM is its own animal. Uh, But I guarantee you, in any decent-sized group, you'll find at least one person who's all like, wow, I can... I get to tell, I get to be the master of the story. I get to uh, weave all this stuff together. Yeah, that appeals to me more than just playing a character. And I agree with that. And if you're a previous referee, um, you know the hardships, at least in the beginning of how to create a game, how to manage players, all that other stuff. So when you're critiquing a new GM... Always take that in consideration. Anytime anyone wants to take, become a GM, referee, GM, DM, storyteller, uh, was a keeper, whatever you want to call it, um, I will always sit there and let them run the game. If they look at me for input because they don't know a rule or are stumbling and ask my advice, I will always present it to them. Absolutely. And 100%. Um, and I'll make this offer here and now. If any, anybody who's listening, if they, if they want to ask me any questions, uh, they can. They can do it through the email. Um, they can get a hold of me on Facebook, whatever. Uh, I will I will help advise you as best I can on a personal basis. I got nothing but time. Yep. I <laughs> I am I am fortunate to be unfortunate. <laughs> so we're approaching the two hour mark, which I think is our kind of wind down finality. Um, I am. Capricious Nature, I appreciate your fortitude to stick with us. Um, didn't get too many viewers this session, but hopefully on YouTube some people will uh, come out and uh, pay attention to us. Wow. Episode uh, Capricious, 10. I gotta say, we really appreciate you being our fan, pal. Yeah, man. Um, You've been here every episode. I appreciate that. Yeah, so maybe next episode we'll we'll get you on the mic and uh, you I can I was talk. thinking the exact same thing. But I know you got a job to go to right now, off in Singapore. <clears throat> so, any last remarks there, uh, Wisdom? Uh, just in all, uh, everything I've said tonight can be summed down to two things. Um, same page and communication. Those are the most important things you can use. Those are the most important aspects of determining who you want to game with and who you want to game under. Um that's that's how you determine who you your player and your gm that you want to be with uh as always rob thank you to cyberpunk uncensored for hosting us yep thank you to everybody listening um yeah it's i so very much enjoyed talking to you guys next live episode is going to be on cyberpunk uncensored twitch channel uh on september 1st i believe it's a Wednesday, yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks Rob and Cyberpunk Uncensored for us. Uh, you can always follow or 
you can definitely reach out to me on Discord. I gave up Twitter and uh, Facebook, so you ain't going to be able to see me on that. Um, I'm also on Reddit, uh, so you can reach out to me on those two social medias, or you can email me from my site on uh, cybersmiley.net. It's cybersmiley without the last E. You can hit me at datafortress2020.com. My email address is there along with... There's actually ICQ. That's how long. That's how far back my site goes. <laughs> like my ICQ information is on there. Not that I ever pay any attention to it anymore, but uh, you can also hit me on uh, Facebook. Um, I'm on Discord as Wisdom000. However, I'll, I'll tell you like I tell everybody else, I only check it pretty much when I'm doing this or when I'm running a game. Um, so if you do send me a message on Discord, I'll get it, but it may be a bit before I respond. All right, guys. Talk to you uh, in two weeks. Have a good one. Have a good one. <laughs>